Hey, before we get started, wanted to say thanks to a couple sponsors that keep the show on the air. Physical Therapy and Balance Centers. They were created by PTs, especially for PTs in private practice. On average, a private practice who joins the physical network grows more than 40%. So if you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. And our friends from MW Therapy, they want to know, hey, have your EMR costs grown out of control? Has your current EMR hit a wall? Or maybe it was invented in 2007 when smartphones weren't even a thing. There's a time for something better at times now. MW Therapy. Take a demo now at mwtherapy.com. That's mwtherapy.com, where switching over your EMR is easy. And our friends at CBDRX for you, your CBD store, get the ABCs of CBD at CBDRX4U.com. That's CBDRX, the number four, the letter U, dot com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, we're going live on a Friday because why the hell not? Welcome to PT Pinecast. Uh, powered by our friends from your CBD store. Get the ABCs of CBD at CBDRX4U.com. That's CBDRX, the number four, the letter U.com. Also, uh, an EMR is to a physical therapist. I feel like we're doing the SAT. An EMR is to a physical therapist as a hammer is to a carpenter. You get the idea. Uh, you deserve to love using it. That's why it's time for something better. It's time for something customizable. That's where MW Therapy comes in. Take a demo of their amazing EMR platform. Customizable at mwtherapy.com, where switching over your EMR is easy. And finally, uh, do you want to open a PT practice? Do you have one? Think about selling it. Want some help? Uh, you should know this. On average, a private practice that joins the physical network grows more than 40%. If you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. Remember, they spell it funny. Physical, F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, franchise.com. Interesting show we have today. Uh, normally, I don't have notes or a script or anything, but usually I have some outline. And today, no outline. We said outline, nay, no outline. Uh, so bringing in three friends of the show, no strangers to the program, um, without further ado, and believe me, I love me some ado, uh, let's do this. All right, welcome to PT Pinecast. We'd like to say we uh, we share great physical therapy conversations so that busy PTs can feel connected to their profession. That's what we do. Find us online at PT Pinecast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The website is ptpinecast.com. Uh, uh, let's just get right to it. We're talking about leadership, but I do not... We go on tangents when this group of four get together. I believe the last time we were together, we might have been drinking alcohol out of a volcano i can neither confirm nor deny that actually happened let's bring in the, sh the studio megan brown katie sutton sky donovan sky ladies welcome to the program hi jimmy hey hi friends what was that thing called that we were drinking out of the the oh, it's not the scorpion bowl. bowl scorpion bowl the voodoo the voodoo tower something like that i feel like maybe i wasn't there we were there in spirit about you. I might not have been there. I was um, there in spirit. <laughs> Jimmy, you actually were not there. You were like kind of cowering down on the bench. And when I saw them pouring the amount of alcohol, I remember thinking, this is not a good idea. But then they lit it on fire, and that confirmed 
this was not a good idea. Fantastic idea. It was a fantastic idea. But Probably that was the highlight that, of CSM for me, actually. Was that it night. felt like Denver, but it was San Antonio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how do you want to do this? Uh I I mentioned a few times on this show in the last couple of months that I almost kind of just canceled the podcast. I was I was I was being, I was, I was having less and less joy having conversations about physical therapy. And then I changed kind of how I viewed things and I said, hey, what if I could just have conversations with people that I find interesting and then do that and then I would be excited. So all day long, I knew I was talking to you three ladies and I was like, this is going to be fun. And they changed my complete view on things and it made me like kind of look at things different and my mood instantly changed. So I know we we mentioned in a, in a uh, chat text chat of what we we're going to talk about. And one of the ideas that came up more than once was leadership. And I think Megan, that was your suggestion. Yeah. Cause I struggle with it, but you're a leader. Well, I didn't want to be. Mm, talk to me about Clearly, that. Well, I mean, how much time do we have? Uh, I didn't, look at, I didn't look at myself as a leader going into the pandemic. I was just like, Hey, adults show up and do your job and do the thing that you're supposed to do. And then everyone go home and everyone's happy. And then, you know, this little thing called the pandemic showed up yeah. and you're forced, you're forced to become a leader. And um, so now I love it and I see myself as a leader, but I have no real formal leadership training. It's all kind of on the job, make it up as you go and pandemic leadership training. I know Sky knows a lot about pandemic leadership training. There's no manual for that. Um, and so I thought this would be a great topic for the four of us because we all had to make our own manuals, so to speak, on leadership over the past two years. Would you agree? Pivot. If we were going to go like to the friends quote, we had to do a big pivot. So this is kind of cool. Even if you're watching a live stream, how it's divided, Megan owns, I don't want to call it like, how do you describe it? Because to me, it's like a, it's a secret agent, private practice. <laughs> like on the door, it says Pilates, but she's a physical therapist and she's like, ha, I've got you. So you're, you're a business owner. Yes. I run a podcast and do communications. And on the bottom of the screen, two women in academics, which is kind of cool. But, but yeah, the pandemic as Megan so eloquently um, referred to it as caused everybody to sort of pivot. So hold on a second. I don't want to go off of Megan just yet. What was a lesson or two that you learned from not wanting to be a leader and then the pandemic hits and now you like it. Now you're embracing that. Like, how'd you get, that's a pretty big transformation from not wanting or liking something to like leaning in and embracing it. What, like, what'd you learn? What got you there? Well, don't you think we all somewhat go through these phases of burnout? I mean, there's how many papers are there on burnout and physical therapy? I just mentioned my, me almost canceling the podcast. Same thing. There you yeah. go. And so I think it was probably on the verge of burnout. Uh, probably when we had our last dinner all together in Colorado, I was definitely on the verge of burnout. And then something happens where you are actually forced. It doesn't matter if you're burnt out or not. You're forced into something. And um, and so when you're forced to do something, that's your motivation is you, you either do it or you're, you don't. You lose your business. You lose your livelihood. And so when you're forced to do something, Maybe you fall back in love with what you do and you find something new about your profession or your job or your role and you do, you truly fall in love with it. And so I never saw myself as a leader in the organization. I saw myself as a leader in the treatment room. Thank you. In my special ops treatment room at Mind the Mat. But um, I never saw myself as a leader of a team or a leader of a studio and uh, or so it, it yeah, it changed. That's that's what I think it was. It was like verge of burnout, forced into something, 
had no choice, learned to love it. Well, so I study like, um, I've been studying or reading a lot about um, motivations and like, I want to be an amateur psychologist because I think it's so fascinating. And people will say they, uh, companies will try to sell solutions to external problems, but people buy solutions to internal problems. And I feel like you're describing an internal problem that you said, hey, internally, I feel like I felt had to fall back in love with my business. The external problem is the pandemic. But a lot mm-hmm. of people could have just st- stared at the pandemic and did like a deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. And some people didn't. And so like, what did you feel? I guess I want to go. I feel like a very, I feel like a psychologist. What did you feel yeah. when this is going on? So in, for some people, I think the deer in the headlights people, they might have seen it as an opportunity to walk away. And I think a yeah. lot of business owners really had come to a point where they were they were done with their business anyway, or they were done with their job anyway. I mean, look at the, the what, what do they call it? The mass resignation or, or great, resignation. Great resignation. Thank, you, thank you very much. And um, they, a lot of people saw it as an opportunity to walk away. And a lot of the businesses that closed, we could sit back and say, oh, that's so sad that they didn't make it. Uh, I know a few studios or clinics, we'll call them, that actually closed because they had the opportunity to close. Oh, was it like it's, an excuse? Yes, and we all know what an excuse is. What is an excuse, Megan? An excuse is a problem that you've decided not to solve. This is that is a Megan Brown original, right? Yes, I think so. That needs that needs to be on a T-shirt. Well, some people get mad at it because they don't like to get called out, and it's okay. Own it. Like uh, someone I knew that closed their business, I said to her, "Congratulations." She was like, "How did you know?" I was like, "Cause I know you. You saw it as an opportunity to get out." How do you feel? She's like, I feel free. I feel invigorated. I feel invigorated. Right, yeah. Right. Now she's doing something else. And so in those times, going back to your um, psychology session, how much do you charge an hour, by the way? For you guys, nothing. For you, nothing. <laughs> hey, you know, PTs, we need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing that. You're right. Yeah. I'm not um, licensed as a, as a psychologist. That's why I can't charge anything. I think that the pandemic just really forced people to make a decision. And in my case, it was, I needed to decide to be a leader or not. We could have walked away. Our lease was up in February of 2021. We could have walked away. It would have been fine. Oh. I my own Megan Brown online. It would have been fine. But you have to make a decision if this is a problem that you want to solve or not. And, you know, another line is there's a solution for everything, right? If we can put people on the moon, you can figure out a few things. Yeah. It's just if you didn't want to figure out a few things. And I'm not saying that is across the board because I do understand there are some industries that truly were like, there's no way around the fact that you couldn't have weddings or you couldn't have funerals or you could write. But, but in our industry, I feel like you, you did really have to get creative and you really had to one up your leadership skills, whether you want to or not. That's a great sorting moment. All right. So talking about different industries, let's talk about academics since we have two academicians in our midst. Uh, you guys had to deal with uh, a slew of problems or a slew of, uh, a slew of opportunities to solve problems. You've decided to throw those excuses out. What were some What were some lessons from um, from PT and PTA education that you you had to that you had to learn quickly? Because you didn't have the option of closing a school. That's not an option. That doesn't happen. Oh, it was an option. Really? Oh yeah. There Something. are schools in the region where I am in that they just said, um, "Sorry, we can't figure this out. Students really? are going to clinic." Yeah. So students were really impacted, didn't graduate on time. Um, their loans, you know, were just kept racking up. So, um, yeah, that was a decision a few people made. I like to say that there's that line from Apollo 13, right, where it's like failure is not an um, 
failure is not an option, right? And I'm like, it is an option. You just got to choose not to. You just got to choose not. Like it's always, an, it's always, it's always like D, right? You can always pick failure, or 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 quitting. Um, you just have to make a decision. You decide not to use the excuse. So what 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 motivated you internally? You could have you could have thrown your hands up and looked at the higher ups at Marymount University and said, too too big of a mountain to climb. Let's just sit this one out, or let's just you know let's just not. I, I really think that being a physical therapist was what helped me the most in this situation because I was surrounded by people who are conceivably really like me. They're academicians, but they might be in the history department or in the philosophy department. But being a PT, your whole life is about problem solving, right? And especially if you're a PTA, right? You just make it work, right? So um, I think that, that having that innate quality from our profession really helped with this. Um, and, you know, lots of people were looking to me for answers and I just had to be, you know, fall back on, I don't have the answer. So I think when you're really early in your leadership journey, you fall into that false pretense of thinking like, I have to be the person that has yeah. all the answers because I have to look mm -hmm. like I'm in charge and that I know what I'm doing. And, Oh, sorry, my lights just turned out. Um, cause I'm not it's moving, podcast. It's a podcast. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, the great thing about this was actually giving yourself permission to say, and I, and that was the thing that I think that I learned the most too, was that even though people were looking to you for answers, I really wanted to get like a tattoo on my forehead that said, I'm doing the best that I can. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, there's been, there's been conversations held that um, leaders being honest and saying like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Right. Like, and we talk about that in clinical practice all the time. It's like people aren't looking for people who have all the answers. They're really looking for someone who has some of the answers and is willing to figure and find the rest of them out. When I took over my first radio station, I was like 24 years old and I was now leading like a team of like 12. Most of them were older than me. Most of them had been doing what I was doing longer than me. And I slept on my couch like I couldn't sleep. Like I was at the, I was at work early and stayed late, but I was, I wasn't doing, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I was like, what do I, what am I doing with my hands? I don't want to put my hands. And it really took a conversation with my dad. And he was like, what's the problem? And my dad was a fireman. So he's like, very like fire, put it out. Like very simple. And I was like, this is complicated dad. And he's like, anybody going to die tomorrow if you mess up at the radio station? And it sounds morbid, but I was like, no. And he's like, okay, well then like just mess up today less than you messed up yesterday. And he's also, if no one's telling you what to do, that means you're making it up. So like make it up better. And I was like, oh, instantly, like not in my stomach untied. And I figured it out. Well, I think you bring up something important was, you know, and Katie and Megan and I, we were all dealing with people all the time, right? So a lot of other places shut down. I did feel like people might die when they were with us because we didn't know anything about the virus no, and, it, and I was trying to make a decision, right? Do I want these people to be able to graduate on time and can we be as safe as we possibly can? Um, and it felt like having, you know, on some levels, like when you're parenting, you think you figure things out and six weeks later, there's a totally new change. Oh, they're getting teeth. What? Okay. So, you know, things that we thought were going well and going smoothly, then, you know, the virus doesn't have its own agenda other than to replicate. Sorry, I'm a scientist. Um, and, uh, you know, we had to also, all the four of us, right? It was that continual, uh, you know, uh, reinventing the wheel and, and, and reevaluating what you had done last time and how you can make it better. Um, and, and I will tell you this, and this sounds really sappy, but the four of you like saved my life during that time because 
all of us were going through something as significant from a different lens. And uh, I mean, you're putting out fires. Megan was just like, keep the ship in the channel. You know, I just had to make sure that I got to campus every day and I knew how to keep the students safe to the best of my ability. And it was just, just keep the ship in the channel. Katie, what lessons did you learn? I like your t-shirt, by the way, who wants a soft job anyway, Mary yeah. McMillan. Yeah, we lived that, didn't we? Yeah. Um, just at a different time, a hundred yep. years later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like I work better under pressure. So this was kind of like an opportunity for me to like kick it into high gear. So, um, and at the time I was working in clinical education and PTA education. Um, so my first thought was, okay, what can I do that doesn't, that I don't have to reinvent the wheel? What can we do that keeps students in the clinic, keeps them going um, and doesn't like throw everything off the rails? So um, we did a lot of like two to one um, as far as like CIs taking a, an additional student, bringing them back in. So they were already onboarded. Um, it may have meant that the student get a, didn't get exactly the rotation that they wanted or the experience they wanted, but they were just truly happy to know that they were going to graduate that um, I, I was blown away by how grateful the students were. I thought for sure I was going to have a line of students saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. But they were just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We just, we're just so happy that we're going to be done. And so I found that very refreshing. And I remember my boss and I at the time just telling each other, we're doing the rightest right that we know right now. <laughs> and that was all we could do. Was it right long-term? Maybe not. Was it best for the student long-term? Maybe not, but it was the right thing to do at that time. Um, so I feel like we all kind of had those experiences where we didn't know what was going to happen, but it was the best option to push forward at that time. And we just kind of kept pushing through. And like Megan said, keep that ship in the channel. And that's what we were doing um, just every day. Is Jimmy frozen? Jimmy's frozen. Our host is frozen. All right. So the podcast of the three women. Uh, we're just going to commandeer yes. this. He's supposed to be keeping these questions going. Maybe he could have Remember? Keep the shit in the channel, Jimmy. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Who's the leader? Okay, Sky, you're in charge. No, I'm I'm abdicating the throne. Oh, we, we took over your podcast. Don't worry. I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me because my Wi-Fi <laughs> dropped out. So that was nice. So I'm not sure if you heard the question. I was asking, uh, you know, we learn a lot from failure, right? And not that and I think all, all four of us on screen are still here. A lot of people listening out there, we're still here. We're like, I got to be honest with you, being there is a success and you should treat it as such because this wasn't easy. Um, was there a favorite failure or a thing that that um, that you learned a lot from? Was there a situation or a part of your job or, you know, in in your job or in your home life that that you learned a lot from? Is this to anyone? Yeah, anyone. Go. Anyone. I think I learned. Um, I don't mean to sound negative, so I'm going to make it very objective. You know, this is the objective portion of the notes. I just learned so much about people and like I wrote this down, Katie, I love this, the rightest right thing to do. We were all, you know, if you did believe, right, if you, if you made the decision to fight and not fail, you had to come up with your own policies and procedures based on mandates, right? So you had mandates, but mandates weren't nuanced. It was like, it's black or white. We're going with, you know, these are the rules. 
but then your business didn't necessarily fit into those rules, whether it was a school or, you know, you know like we're a physical therapy school, we have to have students go, right? So um, when you were doing the rightest thing, the rightest right thing to do, or the best you were able to do, given these really vague, um, not nuanced mandates, but staying within the rules, everyone had opinions. And yeah. people would come up and make suggestions. And you were just like, I don't mean to be ugly, as my mother would say, but like, you're just like, do you not think that we thought of that or tried that? Do you not think I was up at 3 a.m. thinking about how to do that and that, that it didn't work? And so we would come up with like a blank blanket answer of, um, this is our standard answer when people ask for A, B, and C. We would say, we're limited by the city for outdoor classes by only eight a week, and that's why we can't add any more outdoor classes. Or um, just the, you know, those were the really nice people, but then there were just really nasty people um, just against what we were doing, even though we were not only following the rules, the mandate from the governor, we were going above and beyond with safety measures. And they still morally felt like we were, they were, we were immoral for even trying to run our business or give people something healthy. I mean, it's not like we were running a vape shop where like, come on in and get some vape. No, we were, we were providing a health service. And apparently, um, you know, people just had opinions about that. So I, I think that big lesson is man, like when you see people, see them yeah, and, and run, either run towards them or run away from them. And I have learned to do both. Yeah. Yeah. I had something really similar and you and I talked about this a lot where I had this preconceived notion, right? Leaders have to be really strong. And I, I have this rule, like never cry at work. Oh, well that just went right out the door. Um, but, uh, I also found that I started to see people who were, whether it was they were very anxious or they were um, not uh, comfortable with uncertainty that would um, dehumanize leaders. And, and, I, and I at least had the, the collection of people around me and the self-reflection to say to, to people that were, you know, just being, quite frankly, they were being really quite nasty and mean to say, I am a human being. And yes, I am in this position as the leader and the regulations keep changing. So yes, you know, I, at one point you were allowed to travel. Now you're not allowed to travel and we have to make decisions. Do you want to graduate or would you like to be delayed for a year? So, um, and I understand that people have, you know, strong opinions about different regulations that came forward. Um, but like Megan said, we were, we had to follow them because we're citizens of the community in which we live. Um, but um, just the, the vehemence that some people, and, and I know that that comes from a place of they were very scared, um, but I had to be a little bit strong myself and, and try to reflect them back to themselves to say, this is not appropriate behavior. Um, and really, you need to think about why you're treating me like this, which was really hard for me to do because that was not my view of leadership at all. My view of leadership is the leader just takes it all the time and that's how it is. And especially... I didn't want to share any of this with my colleagues. And it took me almost a year to say, I really need help because not that the, the work was too much. It was just the, the, the personal toll of, of, you know, kind of being beaten down all the time by people's distaste for, you know, what the, what the virus was doing. I think your line of like, I'm a human being 
and people look at leaders. I mean, myself included, right? Like, especially like young, I feel like when I was younger, I just looked like the boss. I don't know what age it is, but the boss, you just hit a certain age and you know everything. And like, now I'm 42 and I'm like, maybe the answer is 68. I don't know what it is, but I still, I'm like, I don't know everything, but um, a line that, that came up um, that I I got from Twitter or something was um, I don't owe you the argument that you came here to have. Mm. And a lot of people were trying to get their fire out. And I get that. Like when you really saw people's anger, for I thought what it was is just like, okay, I'm just going li- to, I'm going to become a emotional. I'm just going to listen to what you're saying, but I'm not going to let it affect me. But I, I'm looking at you as a human too and saying, all right, I, you're getting this out, but there, you got to put up a point and be like, I'm not your punching bag. So kick it on down the line, my friend, you know? So, I mean, my biggest, um, one of my biggest lessons was seeing for people for who they were. Um, uh, I mean, everybody knows I love quotes and the quote, I'm gonna mess it up a little bit, but it was, it's something like, um, um, stress or hard times don't create character. It reveals it. And I think mm-hmm. we saw a lot of people we thought we knew in a different way and that's all right. Um, but you know, now do you need to make some decisions of do I, is this person a here person or is this person an over here person? Like, where do I put that person in my life? Because who you are around, you become what you consume, you become. And now you have a decision to make because now you see that person for something different. So for me, that's what it was. I saw a lot of people in a different way. Can I touch on that real quick? Cause I want to hear what Katie says. Um, but that is such a huge lesson because remember I was talking about, I kind of didn't want to be a leader before I was kind of like, okay, fine, I'll lead. And I would weed out those people or they would self, they would weed themselves out over time. The ones whose characters were revealed. Those were the people that would weed themselves out. And then pandemic hits you. We all learned that lesson that you just said, Jimmy right? We've all, we all went through that. And I feel like now empowered to now go ahead and say, I see you. I'm not, I wrote it down. I don't owe you the argument you're trying to have, and this isn't the place for you. Right. Whether it's patient, client, person who works there, it's not. And you've done them a favor by saying, Hey, I see you. This isn't the place for you. Let me suggest something else. When you come, I feel stronger to do that now. When you come back to people, a lot of times I've called people out. I mean, in radio, like you got to have some thick skin, right? Because people just hate, like, if you want to ever find out if someone's listening to your radio show or podcast, say something incorrect, <laughs> pronounce something wrong. Like, that's how I, I'm like, is this thing on? And I mispronounce something. I have 49 messages. You said it wrong. But you've got to have that. And a lot of times when you get people with real, real venom and you push back and you go and you, you, you almost jar them, and you put them on, their, on your heels by saying like, What's up? Where's this coming from? I feel like it's not me. And all of a sudden, like you watch is like they're kind of like every, like the color from their face trains. They go, you're right. Everything's like I'm having a hard time at home. And like, all right, now we're having a conversation. Now we're getting somewhere because whatever that was, that was fake. Mm-hmm. Katie, what do you got for us? So probably one of the biggest things that I learned was and, and it actually kind of worked in the opposite. Um, I thought I had to grow during that time. And I even actually wrote something and I submitted it to um, Ohio PT Association. They published it. I can't believe it. It couldn't have been that good. But I remember thinking that I had to take advantage of absolutely everything that was out there. There was like free courses and learn to teach online and learn to do that and just so much stuff. Did you start like a a, a sourdough starter? I feel like I, I did. I fell behind by not making my own bread. I I was like, so I I kind of felt like I had to do all these things. And 
and take advantage of this. It's free and do it. And it's going to help me. And I remember coming to a point where it was just, I was trying to work. We're working at home. The kids are doing their schoolwork at home. They need fed. The dogs are barking. The Amazon guy's coming and I have to spray everything off. Do you remember we like spray yeah. everything and like yep. don't touch it oh, and like leave it. And yeah, I mean, so like, I remember like thinking to myself, why am I forcing myself to do all of this stuff? I don't need to grow right now. I need to survive. <laughs> I need to survive. I need to keep my family on track and growing can come later. And it did. Once I took the time to stop messing around with all of that and just kind of focus on what was happening at the moment. Um, and I had time to step back and reflect on my goals and decide where I needed to be and what I wanted to do and how things were going to work out. That's when I really started to see myself grow. And it had nothing to do with all of those things were, that were available to me. It was just me needing to take the time to step back and say, what's important to me right now? What do I need to do right now? And then the growth came later. Wow. You're like a philosopher. Philosophizing. <laughs> amazing. You must have taken a free online course. <laughs> it was this free course I took. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking about, I saw about the bobblehead that I got when we did the, the Oxford debate. And that, that year that the, 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 the prompt was, is social media hazardous for physical therapy? I remember thinking like, man, like we're so separate, but we're still connected. And I'm using air quotes, but we weren't really connected. Like you were watching people's highlight reel. That's all you were watching. You were watching no one cry. Right. No one was, everybody was like, I'm fine. You're fine. Everybody's fine. And you're looking around going, everybody's fine, but me. So I'm in the, I'm on an Island here. And you watch these, these highlight reels where you're like, I'm falling behind. I should be doing this. You know, I was like, I need to start. Why come I haven't started a course? Everyone's starting courses. I need to start teaching things. Where's my platform. And that can tire you out. Just trying to think about the things that you're not doing. Yeah, once upon a time at um, the Educational Leadership Conference, there was a um, Oxford debate on whether telemedicine should be included in PT and PTA education. Anybody remember that? You have, I do recall that one. It was October of 2019, and those on the pro team lost. Irony. <laughs> I think there needs to be a recount. <laughs> Irony. Right. Look that goes back to nothing's possible until like you're put in that situation. I did an episode a couple of weeks ago where I talked about like something I learned in lifeguard training, which. Frozen. Again. What did he learn in lifeguard training? CPR. Fire. It's never happens on screen. To rescue the patient. <laughs> How to strap onto a board. <laughs> Oh, I know what it is, actually. It's if someone's really um, fighting you while you're drowning, you can't really save them. You have to save yourself you first. Save yourself. Right, Jimmy? Save yeah. yourself. That yes. That, and like I was, you know, the, the episode I think I released was like, you're the boat. It's like the lifeguard guy was like, see that buoy out there? And the, one of the guys on the beach was like, yeah, where's the boat? It's far away. And he's like, you're the boat. Start swimming. Wow. So like you could have waited for the boat or you could have started swimming. Like, and sometimes you're, you're the boat. Like. You can look for help and you can realize that like I'm capable of this. It might take me a while, but I'm the, I'm the one who's going to get me there. Like a lot of times you're, you know, start swimming, right? What finding Nemo just starts keep, just keep swimming. And I'm going to write a strongly worded email to spectrum internet for dropping me three times during my own <laughs> podcast. This is not good. Can't wait to read it. Can't wait to read that. Your um, character is showing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so that's that's uh, that's pandemic. It makes me think a lot about um, that scene. I love Apollo Eleven because like astronaut movies and stuff like that. They're about problem solving. Is when they dump all that stuff on the table. They're like, we need to make this fit into a thing that's designed to this. And that's where he's like, failure's not an option. I think this is going to be our our finest moment. And when you look at it like that, a lot of times, I mean, I had I lucked out. I've had some really great bosses and friends and leaders, and they were like, like I just need effort here. Like I need effort. If you're putting out effort, I'm not going to criticize you. And that leads me to that line. It's like, you'll never be criticized by someone doing less, uh, by someone doing more, um, less than you. No, sorry. You will only be criticized by someone doing less than you. So if someone's criticizing you, like, understand that they're like, they're, they're, they got time to take shots. Who's got time to take, you guys got any time to just take shots at other people? I don't have any of that time. No. Yep. What else do you guys want to talk about? I feel like this is just a, ther- a therapy session until my internet cuts out again. Well, who were who were the great leaders? Who were your great leaders and mentors? Me um, or any of you? Oh. Yeah. Ladies first. I mean, I I have to say that's that I know Sky said it that like we all in our way got us through, but Sky was a huge. Um, she was just a huge rock for me. Like, let me just say this, this is the funny part because I was like, well, at least I don't have it as bad as Scott. <laughs> That's... Number one. Like, hold on be worse. <laughs> How many times did you get promoted during the pandemic? Like twice? I got promoted to Snake Charmer. No, at one you, had, point. you got more stuff to take on during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I like, did. Oh. I got promoted twice during twice. the pandemic. Here's more work for less money. No, I'm kidding. But I got more money too. But um, yeah, so it was a compliment, I guess. <laughs> so I mean, it must be, right? Something right, right? Like, you were doing not only the rightest right that you could do, you were doing the ultimate of right in that time frame. Mm-hmm. So we would, call, I would call you every now and then. And I mean, and you would check in with me and you'd be like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. She's, and you would always say you're doing such a good job because you could at least see what I was doing being a client as well. Just for those of you listening or watching, um, Sky is a client of mine, the mat. And so you would... I remember early on when I would literally, I think I broke down a couple of times on camera and you would text me later and you'd be like, you're doing a great job. You are, you're, you're sanitizing your hands in the middle of class. That's great. It's showing people that you're being careful. You're showing yourself in an empty room that you're socially distancing. And, and those were like the really small things that I didn't like, I just didn't get in the moment yeah. those, those messages that I was sending. So yeah, like you, you were a rock and you have a way, Sky, of really like l- lifting people up. And so to be able to do that, considering what you were going through yourself as, as a leader in your position, that was, that's amazing. We did, I, I want to remind myself of that the next time is to like, that's how I want to lead. Yeah. And I would say that is how all of you lead, right? And that was, you know, my comment about you kept me alive. I mean, it was like Megan was dressing up as prince nailed it by the way and having 130 people you know on a platform that she had to keep changing and she's exercising in a room dressed as prince by herself um and allowing us to have moments of joy and to take care of our bodies during that time was 
amazing because as you said people could have just said i'm out and then i would screenshot because that's how old i am pictures of me in the class of you to jimmy and katie and say you better get in this class right now because this is where it's all happening and the funny thing is speaking of what you said jimmy where you'll only get criticized from people who are doing less there was an article in the washington post about that whole dress up shenanigan thing and um the person who wrote the article said just do me a favor don't read the comments don't trust me don't read the comments and so i went several months without reading the comments and then one day i just couldn't help it so i read the comments and she was right there was just this one comment of like <laughs> uh we should not be dressing up during exercise because i mean it is about the workout it is not about like you shouldn't be wearing apparel like that when you're working out. I'm like, I mean, can we try to have fun when we work out or do we just guy, have to be miserable? Guy, the wrote, guy who wrote that hasn't done a push up since 1986. That's just so, how you know. From a fitness instructor who yeah. wrote, as a fellow fitness instructor, I was like, oh, I ain't no fitness instructor, first of all. Second of all, I'm going to dress like whatever I want and I'm still going to work my glutes. And I remember Katie being awesome because at the time, the three rest of us lived in a city and Katie was oh, in a very yeah. rural and she was like, well, at least you guys, I'm like, we can't even go to the store. There's people <laughs> everywhere. We can't get milk. And she was like, well, I can't get Amazon. And we were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> was days. <laughs> but you had space and nature and I'm yeah, playing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very lucky. I feel very missed a beat as far as like you know, the outdoors was normal to them and they'd go out and play. It really didn't change too much in that aspect. But I remember getting things was very difficult. Yeah. If you yeah. could give yourself a, a fortune cookie with advice, you could send a fortune cookie back in time to you, February, 2020, what would the fortune, what would you have written yourself in terms of, it can only fit on a the little piece of paper. So it can't be a lot. What would you, what would you write down? Calm down and hit the gym or okay. exercise <laughs> one <Okay>. of those <laughs> you can do anything don't let perfect be the enemy of the good it's already a quote but i like that i would have said um do do more by doing less with like addition by subtraction like focus on like the things that you know the rubber rubber balls versus glass balls because like as katie was alluding to you're trying to do all the things and we're sourdough starters. And I feel like it was almost like we were, um, I was externally like, everything's fine. Like everything is fine. But internally it's like, Oh my God, we've got to go faster and we got to do more. And at the end of the day, man, um, you got it. You were getting a lot done by surviving as we sort of alluded to by surviving. Do you ever see pictures of yourself that pop up on your phone and you're like, Ooh, what date is this? And I look at the date and it says like January, 2020. You. And I just look at that photo of myself and I go, Oh, sweetie. Not a clue coming, huh? Yeah. Oh, sweetie. Look at, look at you. So oh. clueless. Not a clue. I mean, I went from, yeah. I mean, Katie alluded to like, uh, or uh, Sky just said we, we lived in the cities. Now I live in the middle of nowhere. Well, not the middle of nowhere, but pretty much the middle of nowhere. So, but like it changed a lot. I bought a house. I was living in the Upper West Side in an apartment that was 600 square feet. I bought a house. I live in my hometown, which if you were like to list all the places in the world, like this would have been dead last of where I would have wound up. And now I'm standing here going, this is totally normal. Um, but you're, you had such a backdrop of your 600 square foot 
uh, apartment. It was it was like almost a brand. I I miss yeah. that backdrop that you had. The electric. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Great. It was a brand. I don't know. It maybe was. we could do some rebranding. I'll That's just our next like, conversation. I'll be like Santa Claus. I just got like the the, uh, the the brick background. Just... You know for sure there was at least two or three of us that were watching on a regular like, basis. <laughs> well, that's the funny part is like I really had to only start doing live streams that like just before then. And when the pandemic fully hit, I was like, well, I'm not gonna be able to interview anybody live ever again. And I found, you know, some platforms. I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this again because it really did bring back eye contact and facial expression and, and body language and some thing. It made it easier for me. I still get not nervous, but I get a little anxious before any interview starts. And like for reference, this is like episode like 910. Sky, we used to look at like, I was like, if we ever get to 100, that'll be crazy. And this is 900 and something. I don't know. I lose track, but like, that's a little nuts. And I remember thinking like this actually reduces my anxiety because I feel like if the other person can see me, I can I can show them that I'm calm and you're going to be calm. Because I was always worried about the other person like being anxious or do they know when to jump in or, you know, it's like dancing. You don't want someone you don't want to step on someone else's toes. But and isn't that why one, you had people drink? Always. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't want to drink alone. So this is going to be on camera. I want to make sure. <laughs> so what else should we talk about? Is there any other topics that were um, top of mind? I feel like we have a whole season's worth in that group chat. Yeah. I want to know, actually, just because, you know, I'm in kind of like a, a make-believe PT land. I'd love to know what you what your experiences are in leadership training for PT. I know Sky has gone to a ton of leadership conferences, courses. Um, Katie, I'm, you know, you and I haven't even talked about that. Jimmy, I'm not sure what your experience is. Is there... Is there something that you all, I feel like I'm being the host right now. Is there something that you all would suggest to our listeners about what, where does a PT go to learn how to be a leader? And we do have some leadership in school. It's, it's obviously not in the forefront, like clinical learning is, but like, what, what would you all suggest? I mean, there's a new academy called the Academy of Leadership and Innovation. Innovation. Yeah, they've got they've got that. So that's a place. I would also say I I always think that the answer is always people. So an academy is a bunch of people, right? The academy of you know used to be the catalyst. Now it's that. But I'll say you. But you don't have to do formal training. Like you don't have to formally do that. I think you can definitely just like you know uh, emulate the people and the styles and kind of really ask yourself what do I like and not like. I mean, Sky was reminding me of my one of my clinical rotations. I won't say which one, but I was like. I don't like this at all. She was like, then you just learned something you don't like. And that's good too. And I was like, yeah, I, <laughs> not what I wanted. That's I wanted, I wanted, though. But I, wanted it really is, it. And I think about that. And I go, okay, good. Don't, don't do that. Don't be that leader. So I, you know, you can find it a lot of different places, formally and informally. Yeah. I think even just, it sounds so, um, flip, but you know, just be really curious. Um, I think the more that you love to learn, that's what really develops your leadership skills. Um, I know I find my greatest um, inspiration from being around people who are unlike me and from really different fields. So, you know, in my role at APTA, it's like thinking about the future, the next 100 years of our profession and the association the answer is not going to be found exclusively in the field of PT. So we need to start talking to people outside of our house. Um, you know, I hate the fact that Megan has to, you know, say that she's like, well, I have this sort of 
fringe type of a PT business. I mean, that's the kind of business of the future, right? And there's a ton more that um, could exist out there. So I spend a lot of time, I just had a 30 minute coffee with an economist that turned into two hours um, because he thinks about things in such a different way. Different direction. Well, what, so what, I think business business yeah. literature, reading anything in um, business literature is great. I, I I look now and I've 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 been doing something similar. I read weird stuff too, and it's like we and just like go backwards, right? History teaches us a lot. Look what everyone's mocking, and I would double down on that. I have no idea what an NFT is, but a lot of people are mocking that. So I'm like, I don't know, man. That makes me want to lean in a little more and find out because. I mean, look backwards at all this stuff, right? The internet wasn't going to exist. That was stupid. And social media is like never going to, you know, if something comes along, everybody poo-poos it because it's different. And then next thing you know, it comes, I'm not, and, and everything, every new that it comes along doesn't stick around, but just don't be everybody who just craps on something because it's new and different. Take something from it. You'll learn a lot from that. Yeah, I think people probably do get a lot of no's. Um, and uh, I think I told you this, Sky, but I think probably everyone needs to hear this just because you mentioned that, you know, what I do is, is totally different. And I was, in, I was in a call with a student and she said, you know, in preparation to have this talk with you, we just chatted for about a half an hour. She said, you know, I, I looked up information about PTs in the fitness slash wellness realm and it sounds like, you know, we're really taking a step back and we're not utilizing our education, that it's almost like we're, we're dumbing it down. And I was like, wow, is that person making money in their sleep? I'm just wondering, like, is that like what are you doing? helping people? Are you helping people at scale? Yes. And like, that's a way to think of it is to consistently say no, because your, your mind isn't open. And that's the beauty of what we do, right? Like anyone who's been to PT school of any kind that, that I think we're, we're somewhat like back in my day, we were just taught you have to do things according to what Medicare says, yeah. right? And I feel like we have completely, or we're on the track, hopefully the trajectory of changing that and not, not letting Medicare dictate what we do because they don't pay for prevention, which is utterly ridiculous mm -hmm. how are we not how are we not trying to prevent injury ailment disease how are we not trying to do that and why can't why can't pts be in the foreground of that so anyway i just think it's interesting that people will tell you no love it even though they, even love though they no. don't know they'll tell you no even though they don't know it, it's it's um it's it's uh, what I've figured out or what I, my, my two cents on it is that is they're they're answering from their own insecurities. Like how many times, I mean, I was, I remember one of my family members when I was in college and they're like, what do you, you know, we were like spooning, like, you know, we were in the buffet line at like Christmas at somebody's house and they were like, what do you want to do? And this is like a family member who had kids way older than me. And I was like, I want to be a radio broadcaster. And without missing a beat, she was like, you'll never make it in that. And I was like, you see me twice a year, Christmas and someone's wedding and or funeral. You have decided that that industry, my son tried that. That's not going to work. And I was like, oh, all right. And I was like 19. And you know, the first time I got a job, I did a little victory dance. I did it anyway. I was too dumb to know that she was wrong. I almost like did it to Spider. 
But like, think about all the people that have been told no. And what, you know, maybe they weren't um, trying to spite the person, but like, maybe they, yeah, maybe they just, yeah, they were beaten down. That, that's, that's one style of leadership that maybe we, we don't agree with, maybe. That's, I think that's someone saying, I know everything. So no, I'm older. I've done it longer. That doesn't work. And it's, we're like, man, I don't, but you willing to, you willing to bet your reputation on that? Cause if it does work, you're wrong. Or you could say, tell me more about that. Yeah. And you always got mad when we were in the, that situation where I was faculty and you were a student and you were like, give me the answers. It's really attractive as a leader this. to be in an authoritarian position and say, this is the way you do it. You have somebody coming to you for advice. You're their mentor. But really, to me, that's not what leadership is. Leadership is lifting other people up. What is it that you want to do? What barriers can I move out of the way? Or who do I know that can move barriers out of the way for you? Um, who are we to say no, right? Um, it's, to, it's to maybe reveal some things you didn't think about. Um, but yeah, when people are in that position, it is an easy trap to fall into to say, oh, they're coming to me for advice. Let me tell them everything that I know. Because that's um, about you. That's yeah. what you're <laughs> able to do there. And you're able to say, look what I have, right? Yoda wouldn't do that. Yoda would say, like, you know, look into yourself or he would talk in backward sentences. Um, yourself, you will look into. Yourself, you will look into. <laughs> See? I can't do it on the fly. Um, Katie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I never really took any like formal leadership training. So I would definitely say I am not an expert in this area. So for anybody who's actually listening and watching, I'm, I'm nobody to take advice from on leadership. But I think what I've noticed as a PTA in the PT field, um, I tend to look at PTAs who've done really cool things or have gotten themselves into these really, really awesome positions that I, I look up to them and I um, like to ask them for advice. I like to watch what they're doing and, and see who they integrate with. And so that's kind of been a driving force for me is to kind of ask those questions and dig a little bit deeper. And um, what do you know that I don't know? And just kind of follow those footsteps. But um, but I, I like what I think that it was what Sky said is, you know, I think being a leader is not just knowing everything and, and being the only person who leads the way, but it's also like finding that next person who's going to be in line. It's it's kind of like bringing that next generation up and who's going to fit good in this role. And, and we need somebody that, that looks like you and acts like you and talks like you to do this um, job. So I think it's kind of like building that next generation of leaders too. And I think maybe I'm finding that as I grow in my leadership. If I am a leader, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we're all nodding. We're yeah. listening, you know, right. A leader, a good leader creates more leaders, not more followers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or maybe a good leader is the one that doesn't know that they're a leader. Mm. I mean, I, all I wanted to do in radio was run a radio station. And then I got there, I did it for a couple of years and I was like, I'm good. And then like, I really like, and I've said this a lot more in the last couple of years is I really like being the Robin to a Batman. Like I like having the ability to have access to Batman, but I liked having the space to be able to, as much as I talk, be quiet and think and think about things, then make suggestions and then have someone else decide what that you now you do the math and figure out which suggestion is the best or none of my suggestions and do that that's my new leadership is like you know i want to be robin yeah. 
not Batman. I feel like I always have to like try to think in my head while you're talking what what your analogies are. And so I was like, Robin, Batman. Oh, Ro- got it. Batman and Robin? You had to think about Batman and Robin? Well, I didn't watch it that much growing up. I watched like Super Friends and stuff like that. But, you know, I I got to catch up on my... The sidekick. I like this. I like the sidekick. I really yeah. like that role where like, I don't want to be the guy. I want to be like the guy behind the girl. You know what I mean? Like the director. I'm your wingman. Yes. I'm a wingman. I'll wing the heck out of this. All right. Um, so you guys are going to be back. We're going to make this a regular occurrence. We'll, we'll switch the topics. As you can tell, we don't have, um, we have the ability to just kind of wax poetic on anything. But the thing we do uh, regularly on the show is the parting shot. Are you ready for the parting shot? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. That's something like different I did. I started doing something different with the Academy of Orthopedic PT during the pandemic. They were like, we don't know. We need some help doing this. I was like, great, I'll do that because I got to be the Robin to their Batman. I was like, I'll just make suggestions and you do stuff. All right, Parting Shot brought to you by the Academy of Orthopedic PT. Find them online at orthopt.org. They've got a great pathway to your OCS. It's called Current Concepts of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find that at the website now. It's We're coming up on decision time of when people will decide to take their OCS exam. All right, parting shot, your last chance for a mic drop moment, just something. We'll make it around leadership, but I'm not, I'll make it like open-ended around leadership. Just what's something you'd want to leave people with? Shout it out, whoever wants to go first. I'll go first because I met with my one of my mentors uh, yesterday. And um, the reason I would like for him to be my mentor is he said a long time ago, meet with your competitors. Call them up, email them, DM them and say, hey, you want to meet? You'll either A, watch their heads explode. Yeah. <laughs> what do they want? Um, or B, you know, you'll you'll learn something from each other. So I've always wanted to share that with people because it definitely blows my mind. Meet, meet with your, if you're a PT and a chiropractor, meet. Meet them up. Meet them up. I meet like with it. your com- competing clinic down the road. Meet with the gym down the road. Meet. All right, who's going to go next? I got it, Sky. Go for it, Katie. This is this is really deep, um, but I think that since we talked about leadership and we talked about having to make tough decisions during the pandemic, I think that this is fitting. And that is, be decisive, right or wrong. The road of life is paved with flat squirrels who couldn't make a decision. I love that one. Make a decision. I love that one. Indecision is a decision. Like you've decided not to act, and that psychologically feels safe, and it is mm-hmm. not. And I love the squirrel analogy where it's like, well, I'm halfway through the road. Should I go across or back? It's like, I'm going to do neither. It's like, that's how you get hit by the truck, man. Yep. I love that one. Man, that was a good one. That should have been last. Mine's mine's not that good. Um, Leadership. Find your people. Not not your people like your followers. (laughs) Find the people who challenge you all the time and make you um, a better person and that make you happy. You know, um, meet with your competitors is awesome, um, but there there should also be people that you can find in your life that challenge you appropriately that also bring you joy. I like that. I would add uh, vulnerability is a superpower where we, we, myself included, looked at leaders like you know everything and you've seen everything and you have an answer for everything. And then when I got there, I realized like they don't, they're not necessarily faking it until they make it like they're just, they're figuring it out. 
And I think vulnerability and saying, I don't know, brings people closer to you instead of bringing people like keeping yourself on a pedestal. So if it's about you, it, it shouldn't be leadership isn't about you. So I would say like vulnerability is a superpower, like use it like be, that's honesty. And that makes you more of a real person. That's the person I want to follow is a person who's honest and, 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 and real. Boom. Boom. Right there. All right. Ladies, I appreciate your time as always. Uh, they say the best conversations that happen a happy hour. Thanks for coming ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPintCast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.